Are you ready to take your message, your business, and your life to the next level? Want to learn from someone with more than a decade of experience, training tens of thousands of people from all around the world? Hi, Cliff. This is Pauline from Auckland, New Zealand. John from Calgary, Alberta. Amy Porterfield. Michael Hyatt. Dan here from Dunedin, New Zealand. Ray Edwards. Mark Mason. Mike Stelzner. Pat from Smart Passive Income. It's Darren from Melbourne, Australia. Now is the time to live the life of your dreams and do the work you feel most called to do in the world welcome to the cliff ravenscraft show here's your host cliff ravenscraft welcome back my friends so delighted to have you here and in this episode i'm going to be bringing back another guest that has been here previously in fact back in july in episode 705 i invited my great friend megan porta to talk about how we approach manifesting success and achieving our dreams using the law of attraction. If you haven't listened to that episode, you might want to check it out. It's episode number 705. And of course, if that topic interests you, I would encourage you, if you're not a longtime listener, to definitely listen to episode 707 of the Cliff Ravenscraft Show, Demystifying the Law of Attraction, a full-blown workshop on that topic. Today, I am featuring another conversation. I just invited Megan to join me again on a live stream collaboration. This time, as entrepreneurs, we're talking about productivity tips. How do we manage our personal life, our professional life? How do we manage to get everything done? What are our daily routines? All sorts of details that make up a meaningful life, at least our approach. And I think you're really going to enjoy this conversation with Megan Porta. Megan, welcome back. I'm so happy to be here again. Thank you for having me, Cliff. I am so happy to have you here. Today we're talking about productivity tips for business owners, and I just want to set the stage by saying this. Every business owner is different. We all have our own different learning styles. We have our different personalities. The idea here is that you're going to hear our approaches to productivity and and how we organize and how we get things done, because both Megan and myself are high achievers, and we produce a lot. We get a lot done. But not everything is going to jive with you and resonate with you. So take what you will from this. And um, yeah, shall we get started? Are you excited about this, Megan? I'm so excited. Yes, let's do it. All right. So the first thing I want to discuss is our daily rituals and or routines. So Megan, can you share your morning routine or evening routine, if that's what you prefer, that sets you up for a productive day? Okay, I think to start, I will say that I start each week with kind of a routine. So before the week starts, I sit down and I prioritize my week. And I think through a few things. I think through self-care, what I'm going to do for myself each day. I think through calls I'm going to have and I kind of plan around those two things. So for each day, I like to get up, kind of get my boys off to school and get into, we have a little home gym. So I go into workout in our home gym that sets me up for just like, not just physically, but mentally as well. Then I come into my office and do meditation really quick. I usually do at least five minutes. 
journaling, gratitude, and then I get to the work that I set up for myself when I did my weekly planning. So that's kind of my my weekly and morning routine. And I do, so for evenings, I do have a hard deadline that I set for myself because I tend to overwork. <laughs> if I don't do this, I will work into the evening and it's not good for me to do that. So I've kind of set boundaries for myself to stop at a certain time and close my computer. And yeah, that's my that's my day. Those are my weeks. I love it. I have had off and on seasons of having an early morning routine. I've developed what I currently use, which has been the most powerful for me. So first and foremost, I like to start my day before everybody else on the planet, in my feeling anyway, is awake. I like to get up at, let's just say, as early as 4 o'clock in the morning sometimes, Typically, 5 a.m. is where I average, and sometimes as late as 6 o'clock. But if I get up at 4 or 5, that means that I always have several hours where everybody, at least in my neighborhood, is asleep. <laughs> yeah. Depending on, and my wife and I are just at the early stages of empty nest, so it's pretty much a guarantee that, because my wife's not a morning person, that I, t- I typically have two or three or four hours of pure, wow. uninterrupted absolute silence Hmm. and that that is gold that is such gold if i'm being very intentional and i'm better at this today than i was when i started i make it a point to not pick up my phone and open up social media i make it a point to not open my email inbox i make it a point to not look at my calendar or my to-do list for the day but instead i attempt to get up from out of bed to do that, you know, use the bathroom, get dressed kind of stuff and come down to my office. If I can do that successfully without opening up any of those apps or things and thinking about I'm a business owner, I've got lots to do today kind of stuff. My idea is to kind of just keep an empty space from getting out of bed until I come down to my office. Then what I like to do is come down and sit and do meditation first. And my meditation is typically a minimum of 10 minutes, but I can, depending on the day, I might meditate 30 minutes, 45 minutes, and I've very rarely, but sometimes do an hour and a half to two hours if I'm like really deep into it. So I absolutely love meditation. It's one of my favorite things. We'll get into that later. But then after my meditation, I typically will open up my Kindle or I will open up my YouTube subscriptions, which I'm very intentional about what I subscribe to. So I'm looking for something inspirational, educational, feed my mind kind of content. Then that may happen. Any, I may actually be in a book or watching something for, I, I could go on for an hour, or but I could get 13 minutes into it. And then I was like, oh my gosh, I'm in a rabbit trail down my mind, imagination of what this insight means for me. And then I go to my journal. And I tend Mm -hmm. to make it a point to try to journal something every day. And I probably get about five to six days a week where I journal something pretty profound for myself, which those things sometimes end up being email newsletters, outlines for podcast episodes, and they certainly show up quite often in coaching conversations. So journaling is a huge practice for me. And then after that, 
if I have time in the morning before my scheduled call, I will do my workout in the morning. And that workout can be just about anything. Sometimes it's going to the gym. Sometimes it's working out here. The important thing is if I don't do my workout in the morning, then the question becomes where throughout my day do I actually make a point to go do my workout? But that's my routine. And when I live up to that, there's never been a day of my life ever where if I did all of those things, I didn't have an incredibly awesome experience of life. And that even includes days when unexpected, undesirable, or inconvenient circumstances just showed up out of nowhere. I love that. I love that you incorporate um, just getting out a book and learning too to start the day. I've never thought of that, but I, I might try that. That's a great idea. You and I were talking about episode number 712 of the Cliff Ravenscraft show just before we went live. In that episode, I talk about my reading habits. And one of the things that I do is when I sit down and it's like, you know what, I'm gonna, I've got an hour, I'm going to sit here and read. And I never read like, say, I'm going to try to get three or four chapters in today, or I'm even going to try to get a chapter in today. Instead, I open up my book and I've got three different categories spiritual development, personal professional development, or entertainment. And I, in, in my morning routine, it's usually one of the first two categories. So I go into those categories and I got multiple different books that I'm in the process of reading. And I say, okay, which category do I feel more led to, spiritual or personal development? And then I choose one of those. And then I say, out of these books, which speaks to me? And then I just open it up and wherever that bookmark is, I start reading. And sometimes I may read two or three chapters, but I may only read two or three sentences or two or three paragraphs. And then, boom, as soon as an insight hits me, I will stop and ponder it. And the remainder of that hour will be either me thinking about it or journaling about it or something or going and creating a podcast episode about it. Uh, So Mm -hmm. I never, this is one of the things I love about my reading habit is I'm not a completionist anymore. I don't feel obligated to the author or myself to finish a chapter of a book. That's really good because I often do. I feel like I have invested, you know, the $20 in getting it and I have spent hours getting to this point. I should probably finish, but we don't necessarily need to do that. Thinking about that, here's my philosophy. So I use Kindle mostly. And let's just say, Megan, you recommend a book in your podcast and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm going to go check that out. So I always send the free sample to my Kindle Mm. and I open up the sample and it typically gives me the foreword, almost all of the introduction. And occasionally there's a chapter or two or three that I can read before you have to purchase the book. So if, first of all, the topic has to appeal to me and I have to be enticed, it's like, that sounds interesting. So then I get the sample. But in the Kindle, on my actual Kindle device, I cannot place a highlight in the sample. So if I get if I get into the the introduction and the author just said something that's an insight that I want to highlight and I'm like, oh, I like that. I'll go to highlight it, even though I know that it's a sample and I can't highlight it, but I'll go to highlight it just in case Kindle updated and I can do that now. (laughs) But because I can't highlight it, I'll then click and it says click here to purchase the full book and then I'll evaluate it's $4.99 or $9.99 or $29.99. And then I ask myself, is that insight valuable enough that if I never read another word out of this book, will it have been worth the price of this book for this one insight? And if I've went to highlight something, the answer is almost always yes. So then I go and purchase the book, then I find where I was, make that highlight, and then I go off and journal. 
I may never open that book again in my life, but it was worth the $30 mm. I paid for it. Yeah, you just gave me permission to do that. I have a few books that I've been kind of sitting on and I think I need to set them down. So thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. And if you like those insights, you should check out episode number 712 of the yes. Cliff Ravenscraft Show over at thecliffravenscraftshow.com. I'm saying that for everybody I will definitely watching. do that. Yes. <laughs> All right. Let's move on to number two. Essential tools and software. What tools or apps do you swear by for staying organized and managing your time? I Okay. So I ha I'm a food blogger, so I have a lot of content. I'm also a podcaster, so I have a lot of content there a lot of content to manage. <clears throat> so I use Airtable personally. Hmm. It is like a, if you're not familiar with it, it's like a kind of a Google sheet on steroids. It's, it's great. It's free. And I use it to manage everything and you can kind of customize it a little bit more than you can Google sheets. Um, I organize all of my content that way. Now, as far as um, other tools, I know that a lot of people use tools like Zapier, Zapier, I never know how to say that, but it's an automation tool. I don't think Zapier is necessary for my business, but I do like to find tools that have built-in automation, Airtable does, and Calendly, the calendar organizational tool that allows people to sign up, you know, get on your calendar and coordinate meetings and all of that. That also has automations. You can send um, like automated emails to people, reminders about podcast interviews, et cetera. So I tap into any tool that has those built-in automations. I'm trying to think of anything else that's really essential for me. The things I go into every day, email, um, Airtable, and Calendly. What am I missing? What do you use, Cliff? Oh, goodness. When we think about the word essential, I would say email is essential for me and Google Calendar is essential for me. Mm, yeah, that too. And and when I specifically limit it to organize, organizing myself and keeping myself, you know, getting things done, I'll, I'll just stay, I'll just say that those two are the only two that are absolutely essential. I, I don't think that I could I would want to operate my business or the projects that I do or interaction and engagement with people uh, without email and Google Calendar. Mm -hmm. Everything else is disposable, but they all I, I have fits and spurts of of whether I go digital. Sometimes I go analog, like three and a half by five index index cards analog. Ah, yeah. Um, pads of pads of paper analog, mm -hmm. physical journals analog but right now i'm not in an analog phase right now i'm in a in a purely digital phase so some of my apps that i use i love todoist when i'm using to-do lists so todoist it's to to do com. i am currently using it but it's very minimal i try to keep it my to-do lists as minimal as possible one philosophy that i have when, you, when I use a to-do list, I have this philosophy. You'll notice that I said, if I'm successful in doing my daily routine the way, or the morning routine that I want to do, you'll notice that I've not looked at email or my to-do list or my calendar prior to usually 9 a.m. Uh, sometimes as early as 8 a.m. I might get into it, but however, I never look at my to-do list first. 
Instead, mm-hmm. what I will look at is my calendar. And my calendar says, this is a pl- these are the scheduled calls that I have. I've promised to be at a specific place at a specific time for a specific purpose with a specific person. So that is a commitment that I've made. Now, those are the, now sometimes I may have a day where there's no scheduled calls. It's like, great, blank slate, blank canvas. I can be an artist and create whatever I want, Mm -hmm. which is an important mindset for me because this is my philosophy. I will never let my thoughts and opinions about what was important yesterday to dictate what I will do today. So what that means is that even though I may have put to-do items on a to-do list and they may have been scheduled for today for me to do, or they may have been not done, there may be tasks that weren't done yesterday that say overdue Mm -hmm. and now it's here on this list for me to consider today. No. If they were important, they would have got done. And Mm -hmm. if they're important enough, it'll come to my mind right now. So I look at my scheduled calls where I've made a commitment and then I ask myself, with the remainder of the blank canvas around those scheduled calls, what do I feel is most important for me to do with my time, effort, and energy today? So I start with what do I desire today? And then only after that, I go and look at my to-do list and say, oh, okay, this is actually in alignment with what I want to do. It may be, you know, I need to get that done before I do this or whatever the case may be. But that's when I will allow those things. But most of the time, I will take things that didn't get done yesterday and either move it off to some date in the future or delete it altogether. And there are many items on my to-do item, to-do list that just get moved and moved and moved, which obviously just indicates one thing. It's not urgent. It's not important. And why is it on my list in the first place? And then I'll delete it (laughs) until, until I feel led to put it back on again. So some software tools that are also very helpful to me to keep things organized. I will go out for walks. I will be driving in the car and, and I'm just always having ideas and there's an app on my phone and it's also on my Apple watch. It's called just press record. I just press this button and I say, hey, this is an idea that I just had. I was listening to the audiobook, Be Your Future Self Now. Ben Hardy just said this statement, and I'll paraphrase what I can. It's in chapter six. Um, and what I love about this is, and I'll just, I'll just blab for two or three minutes, and then I'll hit stop, and then boom, I'm done. Now, when I get to my journaling, Sometimes I will say, hmm, as I'm getting ready to journal right now, is there anything that's on my two in in my just press record that I should listen mm-hmm. to and evaluate? Then I make sure that they're all synced to my phone. It also syncs to my desktop and it transcribes all of that audio so it's in written word or in, in written it's it's in words. So I highlight it, copy, paste, put in my journal, and then I evaluate. Is this important to me? What do I think about this? What will I do or won't I do about this insight that came to me? And and eventually I clear out the inbox of my just press record. So those are just a few tools that I use. Journaling is very important to me. I use the day one journaling app for typed up journals. I do a lot of handwritten journals and when I'm not using physical, I use I put everything in GoodNote. When I'm using physical, I take pictures of what I put in handwriting mm. and scan those into good notes so I have an archive of it. And if I'm gonna take something that I've journaled about that I'm gonna share with clients or include in something, then I make a written version in Notion. So those are the tools that I find valuable. 
Yeah, those are great. I have heard you talk about this before, Cliff, about your kind of you go in and out of to-do lists. And I found that the longer I'm an entrepreneur, the less inclined I am to have a to-do list. Do you do you notice that? I know you talk to a lot of entrepreneurs. Is that kind of a thing or is that I don't know why is that? Why I used to be so dependent on my to-do list and now it's I kind of do the same thing that you do like what do I need to do today, today? And yeah, I don't feel obligated to do things that were on my list yesterday because like you said, if they were really important, they would have gotten done yesterday. So I'm just wondering like psychology behind that. Why do we, is that like a normal evolution? Do you think? There, I think there are some people that I've worked with who are incredibly powerful entrepreneurs They've got 30, 40, 50 years of experience. And if you were to take away their to-do list, I, th- I don't think they'd be able to interact in the world. I, so, so it's not necessarily that it's an evolution of your successful mindset as an entrepreneur. However, some of us, and I think you and I are very much aligned in this way, we operate, you and I operate a lot under intuition and, mm, yeah. and, and a little bit of internal prompting and guidance and trust and having faith that will be guided and directed and, and everything's going to work out. And so there's a little bit of that. And for me, and I don't know if this was a, was a catalyst for you, but there was the book, The One Thing by, I think his name is Gary Keller and Jay Papazan mm-hmm. wrote this book called The One Thing. And it, and I read it right after I read the book by Greg McEwen called Essentialism. So those two books back to back got me to this place where it's like, okay, what is the one thing that I can do today that will make everything else infinitely easier, altogether unnecessary? And I'm all about eliminating all of the unnecessary in my life, which is about 80 to 90% of the things that I would put on a to-do list. Yeah, so true. The intuition thing is huge too. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. All right. Next thing. Do you use time blocking? And if so, how does that work for you? I, I do use time blocking. I, so I mentioned earlier that I set aside time to kind of go through my calendar each week and I block off time for me, time to stop working. That's kind of my number one most important thing. And then I block off my calls and then for, with the rest of the time, I will kind of fill in with um, like, I call it batching. Batching and time blocking are kind of the same for me. And I will just lump categories together. So if I have podcast interviews to do, I will do them all on the same day, back to back to back. If I have blog posts to write, I'll do all of them together just so I'm kind of, I can tap into that flow state and I do, I'm, I don't know, I feel like no, not everybody's like this, but I have this ability to just sit down and work, like really just crank out work when I need to. And I block out a couple of hours and I don't need to get up. I know a lot of people do. They need breaks and they need to get up and stretch and, you know, go get something to eat, go get a fresh glass of water or whatever. Uh, but I can just sit and work for as long as I need to. And I definitely take advantage of that. And I realize that it's a skill that not everyone has. So I try to tap into it. So yes, I think time blocking for me has been one of the reasons I've been able to be so productive with my work. Yeah. I use time blocking 
as well, not to the level that you do, uh, but I, I appreciate the, the level that you do. So my time blocking, <laughs> the first thing that I do is I have two versions of my calendar. I have the calendar that actually has scheduled activities, and then I have a coaching availability calendar. And that coaching availability calendar currently is showing up where every Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday from 1 p.m. to 2.30 p.m., there's a blocked out time and it says coaching availability. It's a separate calendar so that my scheduling software doesn't look at that and see it as busy time Mm -hmm. so that people can Mm -hmm. fill that. Now, I could put that in there and I could mark it as free. But there's the potential of accidentally not marking something as free. And so that's why I I put my availability blocks for coaching in a separate calendar so that Acuity never sees that and and doesn't show it as an option. So that's one thing that I do. And of course, when I see my calendar, uh, Google Calendar, you can actually tell it to show multiple calendars at the same time. So I get to see where there's open spots that haven't been filled. So I do block out those. Occasionally, if I'm in a season where I could really use some new clients, I will open up some morning slots as well for coaching clients. Uh, But right now, I'm at four a week. Then I have every Wednesday, I kind of block the same way that you do. It's like, let me put all these guaranteed weekly meetings on one day, which is the middle Mm -hmm. of the week. So I have my 9.30 in the morning, Next Level Mastermind, my Green Room Mastermind at 11 a.m. And then I just started a group coaching program at 3 p.m. every Wednesday. So those are all on one day, which is kind of nice. The only other thing that's really blocked on my calendar as far as time blocking and setting it out is every day, seven days a week. There, And this is on my main calendar and it is blocked out as busy. Nobody ever gets anything on here. From 5 a.m. to 9 a.m. in this beautiful blue color, it simply says <laughs> flow state. Flow state time. Four hours minimum every day is mine. At the beginning of every day is me time. And that's that's and and that's where I do the meditation, the journal, or I'm sorry, the meditation, then the reading slash journaling. And then there's always, you know, one, two, or three hours within that flow state time that I can do anything I want. Sometimes that's creatively creating a podcast episode. And sometimes podcast episodes happen in between coaching calls or whatever and things like that. But that's the extent that I do blocking. But I block out times to uh, for my scheduled calls, scheduled coaching calls with current clients, and I always make sure to try to fill those blocked times with potential clients that might become coaching clients. Sounds like we do things very similarly, prioritizing those, you know, ourselves, our time, our quiet self-care, downtime, all of that. And then next prioritizing calls and then kind of filling in from there. Yeah. Did you always prioritize your self-care? Because I did not. No, (laughs) no, I did not either. It's not always been like that. It was uh, something, unfortunately, that like the pain made me create that. (laughs) I, I was I was notorious for just getting to that burnout stage and working too much, working, yeah, just not taking care of myself at all. And it was painful. Yeah, same here. A lot of people, when I'm coaching them, they ask me, how do I prioritize my day and my blah, blah, blah. And they hear all this stuff and they're like, I could never be that disciplined. And I will tell you, I was not that disciplined either. But the pain 
when you experience enough pain, finally you'll get sick and tired of being sick and tired. So true. You will. Yep. <laughs> Unfortunately. <laughs> it, and, and then the discipline becomes easy. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. Dealing with overwhelm. All right. So entrepreneurs often juggle multiple projects. How do you decide what to tackle first and when every, or especially when everything feels equally urgent? Oh, this is, this is a really hard one for me. I, there are certain points of the year that are really busy for food bloggers. And even though I do try to prioritize self-care, it, it's a slippery slope and I can start going down really quickly. Like, oh gosh, I'm not feeling good. I'm feeling overwhelmed. So I do get there. And when I do, I try to just step back a little bit and weed out the things that are not important. I mentioned that I don't typically do to-do lists, but this is the exception. So when I'm feeling overwhelmed, what I do is I'll take out my, just a notebook and pen, and I will write down everything I think I have to do that's overwhelming me. And I'll just kind of weed out like, okay, this does not need to be done. My VA can do this, or, you know, this can be done next quarter. I can wait until next year. And then I'm left with things that actually need to be done. And I will just sort through them. And this process every single time makes me feel so much better and so much less overwhelmed. And then to kind of go along with that, just in my mental state and in my body, I start to feel, you know, that overwhelm, that stress. So I try to also just kind of increase the self-care maybe get up earlier like you do, not quite, I don't get up at four or five, but a little bit earlier and just like maybe longer meditations, longer walks outside, being more present, just sitting in the quiet more. And I think all of that just brings clarity. It brings creativity. I think it was a few weeks ago. I've been in a really overwhelmed state recently. Just a lot is going on in my business and I was panicking one day and just like, well, how am I going to get this done? This is crazy. This is, you know, it's like big project and whatever, just freaking out. My husband was like, will you take just 10 minutes with me and just sit for 10 minutes? And he had this meditation he pulled up and I was so resistant to doing it. I was mad. I was almost mad at him. Like, what? how dare he like not listen to me complain and just, I don't want to sit and do this meditation, but I did it. I set everything down and we sat together and I got clarity about two projects within that 10 minute period. And I came out, I was like, thank you so, so much. So yeah, I like one thing, I just checked off the list. Another thing I had, I talked to my community manager and I said, we're going to move this project to next year. And that was it. It was done. So sometimes I just need to create a little bit of space for myself. I love that. The one thing I will say when it comes to my experience of overwhelm, it's usually and it's like a check engine light on a car. It's an indicator that there's something in my process of how I'm operating in life that's causing me to misinterpret what's happening in my world. Whether it's out of alignment uh, with priorities or I'm just spending a lot of time, effort, and energy on things that are really not the most essential or important things to my inner you know, core of being and whatever the case may be. One thing that I have noticed, and I used to struggle a lot with overwhelm. I used to get burned out all of the time. 
what has helped me more than anything has been what you just talked about is it's that meditation. It's that meditation practice setting and just being still for a moment. And sometimes a five or 10 minute meditation can literally change your entire mm-hmm. experience of life, no matter what you're dealing with, like what you're just experiencing. Mm-hmm. One of the, this was not an essential tool for staying organized or managing my time, but this is an essential tool or app that I use for dealing with, with just the emotional state management. And it's this app called Insight Timer. And Insight Timer is a free meditation app. I pay for the, the premium per, version because I can fast forward through guided meditations if I want to check out and see how they sound somewhere in the middle or whatever and stuff like that. But you could operate this thing for free. But I began my meditation practice back in 2020. And for the first few months, I had, you know, I I would start and I wasn't getting good results and all this other stuff. Eventually, I I remained consistent in my efforts of trying it that I eventually succeeded in and had a few experiences in meditation that I'm like, okay, I will never not meditate in my life ever again. So I, I just share with you, this is one of those things. So you can see this app. It says 603 consecutive days of meditation. Wow. 31.9 thousand minutes in meditation. That's a lot of minutes. (laughs) But I will tell you, meditation is hands down the antidote to all overwhelm for me personally. Even though I have whatever I just said, 605 or however many days consecutive meditation, that doesn't mean that I don't experience overwhelm and an occasional burnout from time to time. But there's something you said that is no judgment of your experience of your morning meditations. But if I were to do what I heard in your words, if I actually have these experiences, typically when I'm experiencing meditation, it's when I've been saying, okay, let's get the day started. I want to do meditation. Let me quickly do a 10 minute meditation so I can check it off the list kind of meditation Mm -hmm. and let me get into my day. And and when I do that, and and sometimes when I do that, I'm in the habit of doing that for like, it's like three to five days. And next thing I know, it's been 14 days that technically I've sat in meditation, but I've not genuinely, authentically experienced what meditation is for me. And so yeah. overwhelm is just that check engine light that says, huh, how's that morning routine working out for you? And I'm like, hmm. Thanks, thank, thank you, universe, for the insight. I got it. <laughs> I'm gonna go sit in meditation, and it all yeah. works out. I love that. Yeah, you're you're right. I do I do that sometimes, and I know I know exactly what you're saying. It is a box. Some mornings, some mornings, it's not, but some mornings it definitely is. Like check done. Yeah, and and I want to point out that what I've learned from meditation, you genuinely can have an incredibly profound experience of life and never spend more than 10 minutes in meditation on a daily basis. I I personally, there are certain forms of meditation I like to do, and I like to just go off into this place of non-being, or non-doing, I should say, in all being, and it's just an incredible experience, and I like to get lost in it. But I can tell you for the mindfulness and emotional state management benefits of meditation, knowing what I know now, as long as it's not just a checking it off the box, in, in a single 10-minute meditation, even if you only successfully get into a meditative state for 90 seconds or three minutes of the 10 minutes total, 
it can change your world. So mm-hmm. I love it. All right, the power of no. Discuss the importance of turning things down, opportunities that aren't aligned with your goals, and how do you do that and how do you do it gracefully? This is my favorite. I I think this is probably the most powerful thing outside of meditation and getting quiet that you can do if you want to be more productive in your work or your life anywhere. The power of no is huge. And I've always been kind of good at this too. And I think this is what has set me apart from others as far as just being a little bit more productive. I don't know why it's come easily for me, but I just have always been really protective of my time. Like whether that's with my family, whether it's my me time, whether it's my work time, I've just been, I've just created really strong boundaries and fences around all of my time. I remember when I first started working from home as an entrepreneur and people would just assume that I wasn't working and they'd be like, oh, do you want to meet for coffee? I mean, meeting for coffee once in a while is fine. But like I had a friend who was asking me to watch her kids during my work hours. And I was just like, no, this is, this is my job. This is work. This is my time to work. So I think communicating with people in your life communicating with your friends and your family members like you know you have to respect this work time because I am respecting it and also communicating with my immediate family so I'm in my basement I've intentionally created this space in my basement it's really quiet it has a door it locks and I actually lock the door because it's you know it's a um, way to just communicate that this is my protected space and my protected time. I also communicate like my family's all home today because we have MEA here in Minnesota right now. So they get a few days off school. So I communicate. I'm like, I'm going on a call. You cannot come in. Don't knock on the door. Do not call me. And I say that to everyone every time. If I have a day of interviews, I'm just really clear with my expectations with everybody. And I've done that since our boys were really little when they probably didn't really understand. But it's really set a tone for them. And as they've gotten older, like they do not interfere, especially like I have an older kid who likes to interrupt. Like if I'm upstairs on the phone, he will definitely, he just has no discretion with that. He'll interrupt all the time, but even he is just like everyone kind of respects that. So I think you need to set the tone. You You need to have expectations, overly communicate and just, I don't know, as far as like, if you have struggles setting boundaries, maybe you can answer that, Cliff, because I've never really struggled with that. But yeah, I'm curious to hear what your thoughts are on that. Well, my thoughts on people who struggle to set boundaries and to say no, they should probably just read a book written by doctors. So Dr. Henry, Henry Cloud and Pete Townsend wrote a book called Boundaries, and it's a must read if you struggle with this. So that would be my uh, response to that. But one of the things that has helped me, I know I'm, I'm an incredibly powerful master at telling people no. I, I do it all day, every day. And my kids, by the way, my kids will joke. If you ever get to meet my kids and actually, no, you haven't met my kids. You just met mm-hmm. myself and Stephanie in person. Yeah. But if you ever get a chance to meet any of my kids in person, ask them, hey, tell me about your dad's initial response to anything you ever request of him. And they will tell you, it's like, oh, God, it's an automatic no. 
And it's <laughs> usually funny. two or three more no's before you it's like you have to convince me why I should change my no to a yes. So it it's it, it's a total joke among all three of my kids. <laughs> but here is what helps me get to my no. And that is I know exactly what I want. That's it. I know exactly what I want. I know how I want to spend my day. I know how I want to show up and be in, in who I want to be in relationship with. I know how I want certain meetings to go. I know I, I know exactly what I want. And so when I know what I want, I know what I'm saying yes to. And that's why it's essential for me to have an incredibly powerful day to not be influenced by other people's agendas and what they want and what they think is important. That's why mm-hmm. I don't check that email first thing in the morning. I don't check social media direct inboxes and comments. I don't check, other, I, I, I am not influenced by anyone else's requ- uh, requests of my time, effort, and energy before I have set my intention for the day of what I will say yes to. And once I've done that, then the automatic answer to everything else, including the things on my to-do list, with the exception of what I fully committed to, I will be with this person at this day, at this time, on my calendar. That's a commitment. I've already said yes to that. But outside of that, everything else is an automatic no. And it, it, and it takes a great deal for me to con- be convinced to change a no to a yes. And it almost never happens. Hmm. Yeah, so it is being connected with what you want, not just today, but also what you want this quarter, what you want this year, right? Because that kind of dictates what you want today. At least for me, I know certain things that I want in the next year are directing my path this week and today. So maybe that's kind of the key is getting in touch with what what you want in your future, I was introduced to a powerful tool by Abraham Hicks teaching, and it's called segment intending. And it's breaking down your life into segments. And so there's your weeks, there's your days, there's your hours, and then there's the things you do within your hours, right? So to give you an idea of just how important it is for me, I'll get in, let's just say I want to have a conversation with Let's just, I'm just going to exclude any other descriptors descriptors other than, let's just say I want to have a conversation with somebody that typically does a lot of gossip, uh, talks very negatively about certain situations and circumstances, and they seem to always have that very negative approach to everything in a conversation. But it's somebody that I love somebody I want to be in relationship with. And so I know that I'm getting ready to have a phone call with this individual and knowing my experience in the past. So my question before I go in is I want this phone call is going to be a segment of my day and I want to segment intend, which means I want to know what my intention is in this call. I want to have a meaningful, deep connection where this person that I love feels heard, that they... Uh, that I feel connected with this individual and I intend for me to stay positive in my mindset and I will intend to steer the conversation in more positive flowing, uh, t- in a more positive flowing tone. So in essence, that's what I'm saying yes to. And so 
when that person might say, hey, did you hear about what so-and-so did? No. But let me ask you this. Um, what are you got going on this weekend? You know, and so I'm saying yeah. no to that trail of conversation. Now, sometimes mm-hmm. those are like, well, first, let me tell you what so-and-so did. And I'll just listen. And I'm like, hmm, that's interesting. I don't know. I don't have any response to that. Let me ask you. And then I and I redirect the conversation because I'm saying no to a, that negative line of conversation. And and this is how you can get with anything you want, your, whether it's your day, your week or whatever. You get to set not only what you're doing, but how you experience even that thing. So, yeah, power of no. The next item is evaluating productivity. How do you measure the success of a productive day? Is it task-based outcome-based, or something else? It's definitely not task-based. It's For me, it's more of a feeling, more intuition. I, yeah, it's not like, oh, I got three things checked off. I'm good. It's more like, do I feel good about the things that I got done today and the things that I prioritized? Uh, and it changes every day. Like some days I wake up and I'm really tired and I know that I'm not going to be as productive and that's okay. I have to have that grace. So at the end of that day, it would be a much different story than if I woke up feeling just ready to go and energized. I knew I could get a lot done. That's probably not a great answer, but that's how I determine. I think it's a great answer. Oh, okay. (laughs) It's how you do it, right? Yeah, that's how I do it. It was a great answer. I love it. (laughs) I have a bunch of affirmations and important sayings on my desk that I keep on a little holder. And so this just sits with these cards sitting right like this on my desk. And so I pull them up on a pretty consistent basis. But one of the things is I never judge the success of any day by the harvest I reap, but by the seeds that I plant. So mm-hmm. it's not about what the outcome was, but what did I put out into the world? Because I know that God will not be mocked and I will reap what I sow. So I'm, I judge the success not on what I reap, but what I've sown. Because what I sow today will be responsible for what I get back in the future. So the success of today is judged by the seeds that I sow. Then I judge the success of my day based upon the four agreements. Was I impeccable with my word today? Did I take anything personally? Did I make any assumptions? And did I do my best? That is a great measure of success mm-hmm. for me. The next one is, and this comes from, by the way, the, the Four Agreements come, comes from the book, The Four Agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz. This came from, is, is inspired by the poet Rumi. Did I see through the eyes of compassion? Did I listen with the ears of tolerance? And today, did I speak the language of love? That's how I judge the success of my day. And then the other one is, this is an Abraham Hicks teaching, an active attention to a subject will yield more of that. Where focus goes, energy flows. I am intentional about where I focus my attention of my thoughts. I ask myself, do I want more of what I'm focused on right now? If I've been successful at that, or if I've done that, I've been successful. Next one, maintaining work-life balance. Share some strategies to ensure that work doesn't encroach on personal time and vice versa. I think you've spoken to some of of that already. Yeah, I've kind of alluded to this, but it's it's been a struggle for me to do this. And I fall off all the time, so I'm never perfect with it. But some little tips I have... um 
because I do get into busy seasons where I'm like, well, I have to get this project done. So I'm going to work at night. And then before I know it, I've worked three nights that week and I have to rein myself back in. So a few things that I've set up for myself, my phone, I have trained myself to not rely on my phone anymore. I used to be on my phone all the time, checking Facebook, checking all the things unnecessarily for no absolutely no reason. I was in the grocery store a few years ago and I remember I was standing in line just waiting to check out and I started scrolling through email and I just had this like really profound moment where I was like, what am I doing? What am I even looking for? There, There's nothing in my email that I need to find right here at the grocery store. And I, that moment, I just decided that I was going to take email off my phone and never look at it again there. So I did that. I took Facebook off my phone. I don't go onto Facebook much unless somebody's like, hey, I sent you a message on Facebook. Why don't you go check it? Just started eliminating those things really slowly. I didn't do it all at once, but I kind of did it in stages. And it was like I was getting drugs out of my life or something. Like I felt like it was such an addiction that was really hard to get past. And I gave it a couple of months for the email thing. And there were times when I would pick up my phone and go to look at email and I was like, nope, you can't put it down. And then same with Facebook. And I've just kind of slowly been doing that where now I'm just really not dependent on my phone at all. And I think that has really transformed my work life balance. I sometimes lose my phone and I'm like, oh, I think it's in the kitchen and like we we can't find it. And I kind of like that. My boys are often like, if we're like in a tall building or something, they're like, careful, don't drop your phone. I'm like, actually, if I drop my phone, I would be really happy because <laughs> I, I just don't feel like we should, as a society, like as a whole, we shouldn't be so dependent on our phones because that so alters our balance and it keeps us immersed in work when we don't necessarily need to be. So I think I have a few other little things that I've done to just keep me on track, but that has been the key thing. And just to say that it has not been easy, but it's been so worth it. Yeah. I love that. I love the idea of taking apps off of your phone. And there was one time in 2019 where I was just, I, I, I felt like a junkie. I mean, it, it was insane how i mean it it's like i needed to check email at least five six seven times an hour and if i wasn't doing i was always checking it's like every free minute of the day i'm checking it and i was overwhelmed i was burned out i'm like this is ridiculous and finally i made a decision i saw like i i didn't want to be without my phone but what I did is I deleted every social media app off of my phone completely and I made a commitment I will not read social media and I will not post anything to social media for 30 days. Mm-hmm. I and I will and I not only that I won't even pull it up on a desktop. Now, I didn't give anyone notification that I was doing this. Now, I didn't give up email on my desktop, but I will tell you Megan there were at least 60, 70 people that were, they feared that I had died. 
no. <laughs> They're like, where's Cliff Ravenscraft? Because uh, I literally didn't do anything. But I didn't know that they. I, I didn't know that they were sending me direct messages. Are you okay? But finally, they would email me, and it's like, uh, Cliff, are you still okay? Is is anything <laughs> going on? Uh, and I and to those people, I responded, but via email. But then after the thirty days, my life was so much different mm-hmm. that I did it for thirty more days. And then I made the decision, I'm only going to do it on a social media on the desktop. And I did eventually, because I wanted to, for business purposes and marketing purposes, I want to be able to publish content from my phone. And I will say that since then, I've gotten back into some of those habits of checking in that stuff throughout the day and things of that nature. But I do like it. And one of the things that I've recently done is I've on the iPhone, you can actually delete an app so it doesn't ever show on your home screen. Yeah. So there's not mm-hmm. that muscle memory of scrolling left two pages and then clicking a button. Uh, so now the apps are still on my phone, but I have to pull down, search for the app, and click the button. However, yeah. there's still one drawback. And that is occasionally I pull the search button down, search for an app that I'm looking for, and I see Instagram, and I see, and it's like, oh, I could really use a cigarette right now. <laughs> By the way, I've never smoked cigarettes, but I, I it, it was I that you feeling, mean. you know, it's like, oh, that looks really good. <laughs> it is. It's. I love that you do that too. And actually, I have put email since back on my phone, but I do the same thing. So what I do is I don't do the pull down. I'll do, I have to, I make myself go into the app store and search for Gmail. And that is the only way I can get. And then I do like open that way. Um, And when I have to do that, I'm like, it's not just like a tap. It's, you know, I have to go through all those steps and I actually have to think about it. So I only do it like sometimes we're the other day we were at the zoo and we needed these passes to get in and they were only in my email. So I had to do that. So there are times when I need my email on my phone. So I wanted it to be hard for me to get to my email, but possible. I love that. All right. Was there anything else that you had in your mind that you wanted to share today that we haven't touched upon? I think we touched on so much. I'll add just a few little tips that... I used to implement back when I was in the corporate world and I I was a machine. I would just go into work and my boss would be like, Megan, recreate all these slides. And I would get so many things done at the end of the day. She was like, you kind of need to slow down because I want to employ you. So just like slow down a little bit. So some of the things I did then was I would learn keyboard shortcuts and that increased my productivity so much. It's amazing how just like, you know, the clicking, the clicking around to file, save out, like all of those things add up. So if you want to just decrease your actual work time when you're working, like maybe you're writing or editing images or whatever, like learning those shortcuts are, it's kind of annoying, but once you've got it down, you can go so much faster. Also streamlining your Wi-Fi. So for a long time, we had this Wi-Fi that was really clunky and it was slow and we just decided to upgrade and we got really fast, super speedy Wi-Fi. It helps me be like, there's no waiting for things to save or files to upload or anything like that. It's so fast. So that's a really good hack that has helped me. And also you don't have to worry about being on calls when your Wi-Fi is like glitching and everyone's like, Megan, you're, you know, you're froze again. I'm trying to think of other little things that I've done over the years. Just 
like when you sit down to work, just decide that you are going to work. When I sit down to work, there's no other option for me. Work time is work time. And I even like shut my pets out of my office. I'm just really protective of my space and my time. And I think we've covered absolutely everything else that can possibly make a human more productive. (laughs) That's awesome. I love it. I always enjoy our conversations. So appreciate you. Real quickly, for those who don't know who you are, uh, what kind of brands do you have online? What do you do online and how can people find you? I have a food blog that's been around for 13 years. You can find me there. There's tons of great recipes over there. That's at pipandebby.com. Also, I have a podcast and community for food bloggers, just helping them grow and monetize their businesses. So if you want to learn more about how to grow your blog, whether it's in the food niche or not, you can go to eatblogtalk.com. Also, just search eatblogtalk on your favorite podcast player and on Instagram at eatblogtalk. Awesome. And is there any specific program or any offer that you've got going on that you want to promote? I am recruiting people for my mastermind group for 2024 right now. We have a few more weeks going on of that. So if you want to join a group of, I don't know, 12-ish people who are just ready to level up in the blogging realm and spend a really cool 12 months together, that is something that I'm promoting right now. Awesome. And what's the name of the mastermind group? And can they find that at eatblogtalk.com or somewhere else? Yep. You can go to eatblogtalk.com and there's a button right on the homepage that will lead you to that page, the mastermind page. Well, there you go. I knew you were going to get a lot of value out of my discussion with Megan Porta on our approach to productivity and just balancing our desires of what we want to create in our business, but making sure that we're most importantly creating the lives that we desire to live. Hey, here at the end of this podcast episode, I want to let you know of a special deal that I have for you. I have had this workshop that I used to do here in the Next Level Studio. People used to pay $2,000 and travel here to spend a day and a half learning how to build an online business. It's the Building an Online Business Workshop. Now, most people struggle in finding success in their business. Most people are struggling to generate significant amounts of revenue, and if they are able to generate revenue, they're struggling to create consistent revenue. And what I discovered, especially through helping thousands and thousands of people create a business around their podcast, and then since leaving my the world of podcast consulting behind, just helping people from scratch start their business, most people are struggling because they already have a business in their mind, but they started with step eight in my 11-step formula for creating an online business. By the way, step eight is called create content. So... Ironically, most people, when they have an idea for a business, they go create a website, they create a blog and or podcast or and or email newsletter and or social media presence, and they're pumping out tons of content, but they've skipped some of the most vital steps in building 
a successful online business. They haven't yet validated a product. They don't know exactly who their target audience is. They don't know exactly what pains or problems they're solving for people and whether or not the people that they want to serve, do they have money? Do they recognize they have a problem? And if they do recognize do they have a problem, is it a problem that's big enough that they would desire to pay to have it solved? I mean, there are, and do you have, do you have a way of communicating who you are professionally, how you show, who you serve, how you serve them, why you serve them, and what transformation you create in their life and why that's valuable. Can you say this in a single sentence clearly as soon as somebody says, hey, what do you do? And you say this in response, do they immediately say, oh my gosh, that's me. How do I work with you? Or, oh my gosh, I know somebody that I need to put in touch with you because they're struggling with that right now. Anyway, there are so many things to do before you publish your first piece of content, even before you get your logo, even before you decide your brand name and choose your URL. Don't worry if you've already got some of that stuff in place, and I know that's practically everyone who has an online business already and is trying to successfully monetize it, but struggling, it's not too late. You can retroactively go back and do the seven steps occasionally some people who do this recognize that they're going to get a different URL. Some of them create a, they shut down their old podcast or rebrand and start it from scratch and all this other stuff. But chances are you might not have to do that. But it, no matter what, it's not too late for you to go back and start with step one and begin that process and let it inform the content that you're creating. And by the way, content creation is just step number eight. There's a couple of steps afterwards. If you head over to nextlevelworkshop.info, now I'm recording this in November of 2023 on November 2nd. As I'm publishing this episode, that website still promotes building an online business workshop as an in-person workshop. However, I'm going to switch that sales page over to where it is actually promoting it as an online course. That's not gonna happen probably for another couple of weeks. So here's the scenario. I wanna let you know many people have paid $2,000 and traveled all the way to the Next Level Studio here in Northern Kentucky to experience this workshop. I want you to go to nextlevelworkshop.info, that's .info, link in the show notes as well, and I want you to read the description on the sales page about what this workshop's all about. Most importantly, take a few moments to read the testimonials. They're real-life, true story experiences of what has happened in people's lives as a result of actually realizing they skipped the first seven steps of this 11-step formula for building an online business. Now, you can experience that same exact transformation because the very last time I hosted this workshop in person, I recognized that I'm moving towards conferences and some other things that I was working on. And so I stopped marketing the event. I did have two people who had signed up before I took the sales page away. I said, come on out. If you don't mind, I'm going to record. So now I have video recordings of every session of this workshop and it's all put together in my Kajabi account under an online course. 
so far I've handed this to a handful of people and they're like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. And you can watch it in your own home. And here's the special offer. You don't have to travel to Northern Kentucky. You don't have to pay $2,000. Instead, it's only $9.99. And if you mention this podcast episode, you will also get a complimentary 90-minute one-on-one coaching experience with me to answer all of the questions you might come up with as a result of going through all of those sessions from the workshop. And this basically gives you the same experience of those who came here in person live because people had the ability to say, hey, can I raise my hand and ask you a question? Well, what I would encourage you to do, sign up today, $999, go through this workshop and write down all of your questions, do all of the exercises, do all of the things that are that I mentioned to do inside of these video recordings from each of these sessions. And then when we get into our one-on-one 90-minute coaching experience, I will answer all of those questions. I absolutely know this will transform your experience of building an online business. I know that because not only has it happened for everyone who came to all of these sold out sessions here in the Next Level Studio, it's also happened from people who have said, Cliff, I heard about your workshop, how can I take part of it? And I said, I don't do that in person right now, but I have video recordings and if you want, uh, for $9.99, I'll give you full access to the video recordings, and then we'll have a 90-minute one-on-one session. And I've done that with five people now, and their experience is just as transformational as anybody who has ever attended this workshop live, and that's why I'm making it available to you. Now, again, I want you to go to nextlevelworkshop.info, read the sales page, then After you've done that, send me an email, cliff at cliffravenscraft.com and put the clip, just put TCRS or just put in episode 714. And if you put 714 and then you email me and say, Cliff, I want your building an online business workshop deal for $9.99 with your free coaching session, anything to that nature, I will then send you a link where you can check out And then we'll get you scheduled for our one-on-one and change your experience of building your online business. And if you already have an online business and it's already somewhat successful, but you're still struggling, if you're not hitting at least 10K a month every single month in your business, you've got to figure out what's missing. And I think this workshop might just be the answer you're looking for. And of course, I can help you pinpoint that in our one-on-one session. Head over to nextlevelworkshop.info. Check out the information. Shoot me that email, cliff at cliffravenscraft.com. Mention episode 714. Tell me you want this deal. I will send you the link. By the way, if you're listening to this many, many, many weeks afterwards, chances are the nextlevelworkshop.info website has been changed for that workshop to be an online course and you could just click to buy it right there. Everything will be there. But I didn't want to wait to make this offer and get it out to you, especially since we're getting so close to a brand new year. Anyway, many blessings. Until next time, I encourage you to take everything you do to the next level. Mindset and to man.